Hello and welcome to episode eight of Face the Critics, a weekly podcast where myself, Stuart Upful Brown, and my co-host Wyatt Bunce bring our creative works in progress to the critics. And this week we yet again have a special guest, and I'll hand it over to Wyatt for the intro. Yeah, well, I think um, episode eight. I hear episode eight. I think hateful eight, but. I want to play on that and, and dub this episode the Grateful Eight. Oh, that's sweet. Grateful number eight. This is a sweet thing I did. Uh, yeah, so we have our, our guest number two, our second guest, who is an actual rat, a, a full-grown rat who I used to live with. Uh, I lived with this rat for five years. I took care of this rat. <laughs> I kept this rat very, very good company. Um, this rat is a happens to write and direct as well, I would say rat first, writer director second. Mm-hmm. Um, but we love this rat so much. He is he's a wonderful little guy. And ladies and gentlemen, Harry Dreyfus. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Harry, welcome to the show. I don't know why I suggested you call me a rat because I identify a lot better with pigs and snakes. But yeah, but I like the idea that I was living with a rat. Do you think, what do you think is the rattiest thing about me? Who? Other than well, my voice. Well, okay, well, you're very, I think you're very clever and resourceful, especially on the internet. Not to, <laughs> not to paint you as kind of a cyber freak, but, um, <laughs> but whenever, this is a true story, anytime I need, like, some kind of internet prowess or, like, Harry, I need to figure out who this person is, Harry mm-hmm. will he'll get right in there and, and uh, he knows his way around the internet the way a rat would know its way around the New York city Metro. Wow. Yeah. I am a Googler. I like to Google. Yeah. I do want to let people know that Harry is in Idaho calling in from Idaho. And I also Stu, you're also in an, ex- an exotic place too. Yes. Um, I, I am in a cabin in Wallala, California living on a farm for the next month. And it's been great. I'll talk about it in my letters from the road, but I am plugged into the only Ethernet cable in the in the cabin, which guarantees FaceTime ability. What about you, Harry? Uh, I, yeah, I'm in Idaho in in Sun Valley. Stuart, have you ever been up here? I have. Yeah, I visited Wyatt's childhood home once years ago, and then I've been up for a wedding since. And I love it. How many times has Wyatt told you that his house is right near where Hemingway died? Oh, my God. I mean, we yeah. we we honestly didn't really spend that much time at his house because it was there's the daily walk to the Hemingway house and, <laughs> yeah. you know, daily posing for pictures. Yeah, it's actually funny. That's been my like anytime some, you know, you're, you're in a group and you're just meeting people and they're like, everyone go around and say a fun fact about you. Mm. Mine is always Hemingway shot himself in the house next to mine. Mm. <laughs> and of course, there's always a hush after that. Like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he he put two barrels in his mouth and yeah. blew it. <laughs> Bang, you know, you'd never believe. Yeah. Well, you've got edge, you know, yeah, and you have to announce it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, Harry, are you my- living in Idaho or are you just visiting? Yeah, I was I came up here amidst a total nervous breakdown um, and then uh, was here for two months. And then the world had its nervous breakdown. And uh, since quarantine started, didn't make sense for me to leave, really. So now I've been here for uh, just about a year, I I think a little over a year. 
Harry, that brings up a question. You had your nervous breakdown and then the world had its nervous breakdown. Did the world having its nervous breakdown make you feel better about your own nervous breakdown or did it help with anything? No, it really was a travesty because um, I I had completely lost my own mind and needed to get my feet back on the ground psychologically. And then um, that had started to happen uh, gradually. And then everything got really dark in the world. And for the first like two months of quarantine, I wasn't, I was a total lunatic. Mm. Like I was, I was completely nocturnal. I got very, very few hours of sunlight every day. Um, I was reading a lot, which was cool, but my, my mind was a dark pit of hopelessness. Um, (laughs) you're kind of painting a a bit. You're, the lifestyle there, you painted a picture of like Igor and young Frankenstein for me. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry, I don't I'll get keep that. My, but, yeah, um, keep, yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. If you could keep your mouth shut about that. Yeah, that maybe, I'll keep, maybe, my... keep, maybe keep the movie references to the last 20 years, Wyatt. <laughs> okay, or, sure. Yeah. On the podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'll go fuck myself while I'm at it. Hi. I'm sorry. What are you trying to do here? I don't think I've ever seen something so uninspired. What am I listening to? Here? It's bad. Oh god, that is It's just terrible. it's bad. 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 And now, face the critics. Harry, I was living with you when I had a a transformative period. Um, yeah. I wanted to do something serious and big. And I had a very clear idea of what like felt like the um, most interesting thing to say I was doing or that fit into this picture of myself as like maybe more intellectual or whatever I wanted to be. Um, and I was sort of cha- handcuffed myself to that and said, let's get that at all costs. And then uh, uh, the transformative period was taking a second to go, hold on a second. What actually deep down, if I forget about how I want to come across, do I actually, what is coming out of me creatively? And to listen to that. And it was wackier, stranger, and um, maybe even pettier. <laughs> but uh, the maybe less prestigious. Yes, less, good, yeah. good word. Yeah. Those, those, you know, premonitions about like what your expectation of, how you were supposed to live or what achievements you were supposed to hit were probably instilled in you by other people and, and earlier experiences in your life. And then it takes work to kind of, to kind of, uh, separate yourself from those. Yeah. 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 You're right. It it turns out that a lot of the plans young people make are really stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like to, to, to be living your dream that you got when you were nine, it's just like, well, why are you letting a child make <laughs> yeah. decisions for you? I know why you don't, you don't have to make serious things with how good looking you are. Like, oh, because that's what people do serious things for is they think that it'll give them like a brooding, <laughs> sexy feeling to them. But if you already have that, you get yeah. to do the other side, which is like, oh, this, this brooding, sexy guy is funny. And that's. He covers all the bases. Yeah. God, if only if only you said that straight up to me right when we right. met. Actually, I think you did. I think you did, Harry. In so many words. 
<laughs> I tried to remind you every day how hot you were. Yeah, that was very nice. <laughs> yeah. That was very nice. And you made me into a monster. Now I'm... Yeah. Um, yeah. So image obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Image obsessed clown. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I think why you, you had two things happen at once. One was like being liberated from, yeah, some, uh, some goals that didn't seem very authentic yeah. to your heart. Um, but at the same time, you had the, the positive version of that too, which was like getting thrust in the direction of things that really excited you. Yes. Th- yeah. Those don't have to happen at that once. So, so often, you know, we'll leave the artificial thing to mm. enter into some sort of limbo period, you know, where yeah. we don't know who we are. And yeah. uh, and you had them both happen really on the same night. That was a night. Stu, have I told you this story? I don't think so. This was a fateful night. Harry and I went out that night and Harry had two friends or like kind of friends of friends that were going to meet us there. And Harry's like, and they have MDMA. And uh, I was like, okay, great. We're going to have one of those nights. We get there. We take the MDMA. And Harry meets the woman that would go on to be his girlfriend. And uh, I um, am inside getting super overwhelmed with Adam, our friend Adam. Uh, it was hellish. I actually remember the being inside of Dance Yourself Clean and the saxophonist came out in this like dramatic entry. And I was just like... Where did he come from? <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> and like the lights were like, dim- I felt like the whole, I felt like there was a spotlight on my face and that this whole night was just like designed to shame me. <laughs> anyway, we get outside, we get, we're on this bench, the be- everything's feels, you know, starts feeling great out there. And, and I started talking, going off about the script and, you know, my distress about how bad it was and how many times I tried to write it. And it it was just like so much effort. And and Adam was like, Wyatt, I saw you in the table read with this script and I saw you racking your head and like working so hard to try to understand. And he's like, and then I see you playing around with your sisters and doing these little characters and you're having so much fun. And he's like, that's so that's an option. Like you don't have to go the racking your brain route. You can go the fun route uh, where I see you more naturally doing your thing. And it's, and it just, it it just looks like, and that was such a, all of a sudden so much, so many things clicked. I started thinking back to high school and like how I did that for my senior speech. I started thinking about Sierra camp. What I love so much about Sierra camp, like doing the, um, Yoon character doing our psychologist character and like, everything clicked. I was like, I, that never seemed important to me yet. It was a thread through my whole life. And I just never looked at it as something as a potential or something that even felt important, but it was this major click moment of, Oh my God, I've been doing something my whole life already. Yeah. I, th- I think, uh, also, um, Wyatt, I mean, not to go, go on too long about, um, about you. But like, I think that 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 transformation um, was was very uh, real. I mean, it's really what everybody hopes will happen is that after a long time of trying, the trying pays off. You did basically by inches develop all of the capacities that you wanted, even some brand new ones like starting to paint and everything. Yeah, that's right. 
I think the most valuable thing it gave me, I mean, it gave me so many valuable things that that period, but was this feeling that you can feel so stuck and feel like you know everything and feel like you know yourself, feel like you know the world, you feel like you know the dead ends. And that can just be completely, I was 27 years old, just completely flipped on its head. Like the way you see the world can just flip. Yeah. When you're really stuck. And, and that, it doesn't happen, that hasn't happened to me very often. That may have only been like, that was certainly the most significant time in my life that that happened. But it gives me such hope. So I, I think that was, that was so important to me. Well, enough about this. <laughs> I have Stuart, I have a bunch of questions for you about about yours, but I'm just wondering how much of it you you want to spend time on here as opposed to just getting to know you. Yeah, that that's true. I don't we I don't haven't spent that much time hanging out with you, Harry. We only really hung out once at uh, Kelsey's birthday yeah. years ago. Um, yeah, my uh, just a, a few little things. A big problem for me was that it was too late, right? Like I. I'm now 30. Uh, I was 29 when I was about to go to business school. And what I had told myself for the last 10 years was like, oh, just jump through these hoops and then you'll have the flexibility, you know, like just do a few more things and then you'll have the flexibility. And um, doing that doesn't come at no cost, right? Like what I was slowly becoming is like a cynical person. Like I was unable to enjoy Mm. art anymore. I was just like comparing myself and resentful. virtually all the time. And, uh, I really hated what I was becoming. Um, so that was the impetus for me where I was like, this next decision is, it's now critical. Like I am, I don't like who I am right now. And this is another decision for two years. That's really down that path. Um, So, so was your, was your plan always that you wanted to be creative, but you wanted to have the foundation of like a, a financially successful job? Yeah. At at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like, you know, you can always start writing music and sing somewhere, just like make money, you know, get an engineering degree, get an engineering job. But it turns out it was just like turning into an engineer. Right. So, Mm -hmm. Um, Harry, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your own creative journey, because I I saw a cross section or, you know, I saw a few maybe six years of it pretty up close um, but I think some of it is still a mystery to me in that um, we we didn't talk that often about you leaving acting. Um, I know I, uh, we've talked a few times about, um, you know, this expectation for you to be an actor and the, you know, precedent set by your dad and whatever. And then your decision to um, stop acting and kind of where you feel now today. Um, yeah, it, it really sucks. It's a real, uh, Greek tragedy for me. Like, uh, I was really in love with acting as a kid and in a sincere way, I, I felt flow in acting. That's what was so wonderful about it. I felt confident and I knew what to do. I knew how to read a script and I had good ideas and I knew how to execute on those ideas. And that basically was the two-step phase that I needed to feel good was I could hear what I wanted in my head and I could actually make it happen with my body and soul. Um, and I got to live in that and have that as a thing for a long time as a, as a kid from like, from like 10 to 
18 or something. I felt, I felt pretty good about it. And so it was very obvious to me that that's what I wanted to do with my life. And then the flow of it completely disappeared. And I don't think that it would have been impossible for me to refind it, but it didn't help that I naturally resent having to do things out of obligation. And when, right around when I was like 20, I was in this weird position of going from really enjoying acting to feeling tremendous anxiety every time I did it, really despising the act, and then feeling wedged into having to continue to do it out of, out of obligation. It put the worst taste in my mouth for it, and it's never recovered. I, I, I just despise doing it. It makes me overthink. It makes me anxious. But I was lucky in that it didn't... I am not left with nothing that I, that I like to do. Right at that time in college, I, I directed my first couple plays, and I, I loved it as much as I ever loved acting. I think I loved it a lot more. Um, and I had a lot more to learn, but... I was very, very lucky to find something else that I really enjoyed. Um, but I, I also had to have a similar sort of epiphany about style as you did, Wyatt, in terms of being um, attached to a certain kind of genre that you wanted to be, to be in. Mm-hmm. And then realizing what, that what was natural to you was, was a very different world. Um, for me, I have definitely a sort of silly, lowbrow style in in my opinion, that likes to deal with really interesting ideas. Um, but I'd like to take like an interesting topic. And the only way I know how to deal with it is in a shitty way that includes like dick jokes and the main character is a pig. And, you know, it's like it, it's it's not prestige in the way that you would typically think that this subject matter uh, needs. And um I, I'm just coming to accept that and realize that it can be it can be really cool. Um, but I had to shed many years of thinking that what I had to do was make like a, a fantastic HBO show. That's mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear you say that, Harry, because I feel like you helped me so much get in, in destroying like uh, a lot of pretentiousness I had. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, when I came to you, I was reading like only classics and watching only classics and. You're like, read Watchmen. And um, I consider you to be the main force that kicked me out of the, uh, um, the pretentious, like, it has to be a classic way mm. of thinking. Um, and so it's interesting that you had that same process. Well, the other thing, Harry, that I've found where I think you do enter a sort of flow, and I think another place that really suits you as a director is you will see a script, a C, and I think maybe this comes from your acting experience too, but like for me, I've come to you sometimes with a script or an audition or a character idea. And often you will be like, okay, but play it like this. And you have this totally unique, almost instantaneous, super interesting spin on um, material that I was only capable of seeing like, one way and Mm. i've always found that really interesting and really helpful is Mm. um the way you're able to look at material and think about it in a in a strange but exciting way 
I think that one thing I've I've always hoped to have is an instinct for what might be exciting about something. Yeah. Um, and whenever I'm working on a, a play or a movie, that's actually usually the first question I ask the people involved is, what do you find exciting about this? Because I would only want to make the version that the people involved found exciting. Um, I think actually... I'm served as a director by the fact that I despise acting so much because I know so well what it feels like to act in a project you hate and to act a role that you don't like. And when I'm directing, what I feel is that the actors who are in my project are doing me the most incredibly shitty favor. (laughs) And so I need them to not hate doing it. It's like my number one obligation is make this something that they will enjoy, that they both feel good at doing and feel proud of um, because they're the ones who have to, you know, live the consequences. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that people might be m- more served um, if more directors cared about that, just because I, I know what it I just know what it feels like for a director to not give a shit really about um, whether or not uh I'm all that invested in the in the project and the character. Um, and to be fair, I think a lot of actors, at least some of them, don't seem to have that much of a bar for it. Or or at least they're not as as dickish about it as I am. For the majority of the plays I've ever been in, I'm like, God, I'm glad I'm not in the audience for this. And uh, but even though I think that the other actors in my plays are so excited about it. They're they're they they really are happy their family is coming to see it and they're they're very proud and I I just don't I don't I I think that having a, a harsh taste it's it can be a good thing mm. yeah. and I, I feel like a harsh taste is maybe too general it's like you don't necessarily have a harsh like a harsh taste uh, that's genre specific or what's the word like honorable. Um, hmm. you more just, you, if it doesn't feel authentic or, or interesting to the people involved, like that's what sets off your alarm. And I think yeah, that that's a really cool, you know, that's a really cool compass. Yeah. I mean, I it, think- can, it can, it can suffer from similar things like dreams. Your dreams are interesting to you, but yeah. God help everyone. You're going to tell them. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so. Now, it it is possible to have a dream that makes for a good story that you might want to tell people, but it's really hard for dreamers to know what in their dream might be interesting to other people to hear. And it's so boring and upsetting to hear people describe a boring dream because you're like, why are you taking my attention for granted right now? Why do you not have any idea that I don't care (laughs) And um, <laughs> and why aren't you working harder to make me spend my time well here in this moment? You know, David Foster Wallace spoke about this. He, he said this is the hardest thing he had to teach his students um, was that just because you write something doesn't make it inherently interesting. It doesn't make it something that mm. other people want to read. And he's like all college students who come to him in his creative writing class or came to him in his creative writing class had this belief that because they wrote the story, (laughs) it was interesting. But it's a hard bias to get over, isn't it? Like uh, some, uh, oftentimes something that occurs to you feels much more valuable just because it it occurred to you. Like when, when we're brainstorming ideas, 
I may come up with an idea that is absolutely equal in merit to all the other ideas that have been bandied about the room. But to me, it feels obvious that that's the idea to go with because it came to me. And for some reason, we just have this this favoritism we show to the things that our brain produces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we should we that was. I loved that. Um, yeah. Where that went. Um, I think this might be a good time to go to face the critics. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to shit all over your shit. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's time to face the critics. <gasps> oh no! Help me! Ooh, mamacita. Um, I've been it, at this farm. Just had a lot more time and space than I've had in quarantine. I've been in small spaces, uh, which has made music playing hard. Um, and I've been playing a lot of piano and diddling around and like trying to find melodies, melodies and stuff like that. Um, but today I'll just play a song. What a treat for us. This is such bullshit, by the way, like all art is only good insofar as it's like music. So it's very just rude. I think for you to actually be a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just wait until I have to follow up his his musical number with some really dopey yeah. character. Well, that's something that I, I do want to talk about. I it, um, something that I love that I struggle to find in music is irreverence in general mm-hmm. as like a, le- a, a playing field leveler. And, um, you know, just music just by design has this kind of like higher than regular plane of existence element to it. And that's not necessarily what draws me to it. It's, mm. well, I don't know. Um, yeah. All right. I've been waiting for a long time. I've been waiting in the sunshine. Looking around like it's storming. Drying out like a histamine. I'm the warden on the front line. Yellow soldier on a dead mine. Listen, honey, won't you call me? I'm a sucker for some harmony. Oh, my. Oh, my. Sure fire. The setting sun's gonna set on me. So beautiful. Harry, I'll let you I'll let you be the critic. You have a gorgeous voice. Thank you, Harry. And I don't um I don't say that lightly. I think that if I could sing, I would never stop. I would be the (laughs) singing man. (laughs) and so if i were you i mean i just think that you're showing a lot of restraint not singing (laughs) now and all the all other times yeah um mm. i was just gonna say i have a lot of shame associated with singing i think just from like uh yeah i was just i've been in like acapella groups and the notion of like singing 
on people. Kind of like what you're saying about drama when you like force people to listen to your song makes me really uncomfortable. And uh, uh, that that's something I'm just like now getting old enough and feeling resentment and self-hate enough that I just like can't care about that <laughs> anymore. It's like hmm. I need to I need to sing to be happy and I I'm, I'm, don't really have time for the the holding it up kind of mm. not mm. very articulate today but I think I hear I, I hear what say. you're saying yeah I hear what you're saying makes sense to me why what were you thinking of what he did mm. I honestly it's like um I feel like I'm in like a storybook like uh I feel like I'm in like a rabbit's den at you know what was that old uh children's book where you're the rabbits you're oh, in the rabbit's den Peter rabbit. yeah peter rabbit or something like that and like i'm in this like warm chair and the mother rabbit is pouring some like honey and a tea for me and i'm just it feels so sweet and uh that's that's what it does for me <laughs> um okay harry for my face the critics i um i'm playing to the critic here basically um, and Harry, I brought basically an old friend and, um, this old friend is excited to see you and, uh, he's, he's here. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go get him real quick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just give me a second. Yeah. You can come on out. Come on over. Well, all right then. Uh, let it be known. Let it be known that I'm joining the podcast today, and I, I didn't necessarily want to be here, but but uh, but but I didn't I didn't have much else going on. The stuff at Infowars a little quiet ever since a uh, uh, president, or I should say, criminal in in the Oval Office, uh, Joe Biden, has taken me off just about every platform that you can think of. And but anyway, today's about Harry. I'd love to I'd love to talk to Harry today. Let it be known that I'm here to speak about Harry Dreyfus. And I know you're over there in Idaho. I don't know if you know this about Idaho, but Idaho is one of the it is actually the largest state in the union. Not a lot of people know this. It is floating the land. It is on a, there is a it is on a tectonic plate that is about 300 feet deep. If you go under there, what you get is fresh water, enough fresh water to feed the country. And I do mean feed the country because if, if you just drill, <laughs> and I'm going to encourage you to do this, Harry. I know you're laughing, but this is dead serious stuff, all right? You, you go onto my website, www.infowars.bandtv. Band TV. I didn't want to add that part, but they made me add that part. .net. And you go in there. I teach you how to build it, and I, I call it my Idaho drill. Now, you can do this with just about anything in your house. Do you have a lampshade in your house, Harry? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> You're just going to roll that up. <laughs> You're just going to roll that up. And, and basically, you, you want to make it sharp enough to, to dig into the tectonic plate beneath you. Does this, are you following me? Does this, any of this stuff make sense? Let it be known that you can reach that water down there. You'll have f fresh drinking water for the rest of your life, but everyone's trying to keep this from you. Not least of all, criminal in chief, Joe Biden. <laughs> Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. Well, why? You know that I, I think that your Alex Jones impression is spot on. <laughs> I was playing to this the is a critic. bit of bit of a cheat, but um, yeah. 
But I want to so first talk about um, with Stuart because I'm going to have sort of uh, parallel inputs here. Um, I don't I don't know as much about what kind of sound you're going to be going for. So this is a question that may or may not be relevant. But I think similar to Wyatt, I get a an extremely clear impression of the music you play right now as yeah very um very bright and and quite like uh i would say innocent that mm-hmm. i think the story that uh, that uh wyatt or the reference wyatt had of a of like sort of a, a fable or like a, a children's book it, may, it makes yeah. a lot of sense to me now i am someone who maybe is overdrawn to stuff that is like Yes, it's a children's book, but it's totally fucked up, you know, Um, (laughs) and 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 so I'm always interested in if you're going to do something that is so um, that is so strongly in one genre, are you going to be completely committed to it, which makes a lot of sense from from A through Z, you know exactly what this brand is, and that can be very, very valuable or is there a significant amount of counterpoint in it? And so I'm curious about the counterpoint. If you are interested in bringing in counterpoint into your, into that sound. And like, there's so much like being like quote unquote fucked up is not obviously the, the only way to do this, but um, there's that or, or just like different kind of rock energy. um, And uh, I don't, I don't know. A lot of different flavors can come into um, to balance it out. Um, or if you want to be, uh, committed to the sound that you have, which is which is also a, a really strong choice, um, yeah. to relate this to then what I was going to say to Wyatt is Wyatt, like your Alex Jones impression is so spot on and you're so good at coming up with his language, yeah. which means that for me, I don't want to hear your Alex Jones talk about conspiracies. Uh, I want to hear him talk about love and breakups, you know, and kids and whatever, all the other shit, because him having the mind he has, but about completely other topics is what really gets me going. Yeah. I like that. Could you send a love letter to Julia Cameron? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dear Mrs. Cameron, and if I, if you'll be if you'll do me the the uh, the charm of letting me call you Julia, because you feel you feel like you are that close to me, let it be known that you are actually. When I think about you, I think about you as actually being that close to me, where I no longer have to say Mrs. Cameron. But I will I will start <laughs> off by saying, dear Mrs. Cameron, the way you uh, changed my life through a very simple. Uh, Shifting of the wires in my brain to make everything just a little bit better, feel a little bit better, make that creativity, make that that, that stuff that's coming <laughs> to my brain, basically, make, make make that creativity, all those ideas, all that stuff that's coming up from the unconscious, other uh, pools down beneath the, the surface layer, to help those come out and basically erupt. Uh, I have so much gratitude for you, what you've been able to do for me, the way you've changed my life, and that's uh, something that uh, you know. Let it be known that that that, that you're someone I carry with me very close. So uh, I'd like to sign off sincerely. Uh, Mr. Jones, I might say Alex Jones with you uh, this time around. Uh, uh, Sincerely, Alex. Love, Alex. Either way, 
I don't want to be weird, but but I'll say love. I'll say love, Alex. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. That's <laughs> oh, so good. Um, but it's amazing how it's amazing how far you'll be able to wonder with that Alex Jones character because the second you say "let it be known," like we're instantly right back. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> that's yeah. who this guy is. Um, I think uh, you you could imbue um, some of the natural conspiracy things um, into there in in strange ways, like when you were talking about where the ideas come from in the unconscious. I feel like you almost started to build a hollow earth. Uh, uh, story yeah. around you know and the lizards down there. And I don't yeah. know. I feel like if you had gone deeply into that, we yeah. could have get gotten oh, yeah. the familiar. But a you're talking world. about your own brain. Well, you go down the first layer. Basically, you go down the first yeah. layer of the unconscious. You get the wizards. You get they're swinging their sh- they're swinging their shafts around. Basically, they're imbuing your ideas with that magic. You, you go down even deeper. I actually, you go down think, one. I actually think Alex Jones, psychologist, <laughs> would be very very effective. That's a great idea. That's a yeah. great idea. Oh. <laughs> Alex Jones, LMFT. What is LMFT? Is that their degrees? Yeah, that's uh, that's what my therapist is. It's a family oh, marriage nice. and family therapist. Yeah, you know. yeah. I think I think him giving psychological advice and painting yeah. his pictures of the brain and <laughs> yeah would be would be very good. It'd be so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. His talk on creativity. Okay, I love that note. That's a great note. Well, thank you so much, Harry. This was a really oh, thanks, fruitful guys. conversation. I loved this yeah, conversation. Thanks, well, thank you guys. This was nice. And we'd love to have you back some other, maybe another time. Yeah, I'll just get in, t- in, t- in contact with my agent. Um, mm-hmm. She's out. She's now, which cat is right that? Now, giving a burger, making a burger. But, oh, it's your mom. Um, yeah, I was mm-hmm. gonna say which cat. Which of your cats is that? I don't yeah. have a cat. I know. I should have said dogs. We'll, we'll get our yeah. intern. Our intern right on that. He's really great. Yeah, our intern okay. Trent. <laughs> drops a beat. Yeah. By the way, our intern Trent has been missing for yeah. Oh, since the <laughs> yeah, start actually, of the show, yeah. he went on a trip to where was he? I. It was somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. I mean, yeah, he could Rocky be close Mountain to him. Anyway, he yeah. could be close to you. He's gone. He's, we don't know if he's dead or alive. But <laughs> yeah. uh, we love you, Harry. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Love you guys. Good to hang out with you, Harry. Cool. Thank you, listeners. That was episode eight of Face the Critics with Harry Dreyfus as our guest, the ultimate rat.